0: over.
1: here's Paul Calvisi I'm ready
2: I'm 100% ready I'm telling you I'm ready and Ron Wolfley
0: it doesn't get any better than that unleash the fury
2: right out of the gates we quote Cardinals starting center Yelda Froholt from earlier today Ron Wolfley you can call him Fro by the way that's what all the fellows call him here's that's what I'm gonna go with Paul. quote I'm ready I'm ready to kick off the season camp is always fun the first couple of weeks and then dot 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 yelda didn't finish the sentence so i will allow me to finish this sentence then the first depth chart comes out then the first game and time is running out So you get the Mondo urgency and you get the intensity. And that's why you've seen multiple training camp fights and fisticuffs, the skirmishes and scuffles all this week, whether it's the Raiders and Rams, Ravens versus Commanders, Cowboys versus Cowboys. You've seen fights everywhere across the NFL landscape because these guys realize I better go down swinging literally (laughs) and figuratively to make a 53 man roster. Am I wrong, Ron Wolfley?
0: No, I'm not saying you're wrong at all, Paulie. I mean, this is something that's going to happen right here, and it is training camp. This goes on in training camp. You can never, ever accept it. If it happens in a game, you selfish dude, how could you possibly do that? Cost us 15 yards in a game. I'm talking about in a regular season game, in a preseason game, you're going to get fined. You, You could get suspended. It's just a selfish act. But in training camp, Paulie, You're going to see it. It's going to happen. All right, so a
2: little bit later, we're going to ask Jonathan Ledbetter, Cardinals defensive lineman. Oh, by the way, running first team on the first depth chart, Jonathan Ledbetter. We'll ask him all about camp. We'll ask him how close he's been to getting into a camp fight. We'll ask him about the culture shock, everything that goes into this camp under Jonathan Gannon. And now you have a Cardinals team coming off a preseason win. Ron Wolfley, Cardinals over Denver, 18-17. Give me a few initial likes. What did you like about that game and that W?
0: You know what, Paulie? First of all, I would say the gap integrity. Yeah, I'm going to use the word gap integrity of the words, I should say, because that's exactly what it was across the board from edge to edge. I thought it was excellent when the starters were in. When the starters were in in that first quarter, I thought they did an excellent job against what I think is going to be a team that is really going to try to run the ball and become a run-first team to actually use Russell Wilson and all of his talents. They need to put him in a balanced offense, and to me, I think the Denver Broncos and P. Ryan, an excellent running back, I think they're going to attack the line of scrimmage. A lot of what the Arizona Cardinals, I suspect them to do offensively, I think Sean Payton and the Denver Broncos are going to do. So I loved how they competed on the line of scrimmage defensively. That was number one ball.
2: I like it. I like it. You're right. Too many times, too often did we hear the words gap integrity after the Cardinals gave up (laughs) more than 100 yards rushing. You're right. Because, look, there are going to be games where the opponent beats you, and they might beat you with more talent. And that's probably going to happen at times this season. But it's very different than beating yourself and too often it was cardinals beating cardinals whether it was the lack of gap integrity whether it was pre-snap penalties which oh by the way we only saw one of those we only saw four flags overall it was amazingly clean and efficient in so many different ways that that debut and and to me that's not nothing I, I think it symbolizes the attention to detail It reinforces how little things are big things in the NFL. In fact, here's Jonathan Gannon this week as to, you know what, there's a lot to like, there's a lot to correct from the Denver tape, but the players are looking at it. I'm really enthused about our guys wanting to get better off of that tape. You know, the first time, different schemes, different players they're going against. and just trying to improve our game, kind of like I said after the game there. Most important thing from the tape is you learn from it. And there's no doubt there are teaching moments, no question about it. But in terms of an initial debut and not knowing what to expect, even things like tackling, Wolf, right? I mean, how many times a preseason opener tackling's atrocious? Even that was clean for the most part.
0: Paul, you just cannot overstate how important it is to get this live action, this live tape when the silks are on to actually get it into a room, whatever position room that is, and teach off of it, man. When you're laying a new foundation schematically and philosophically, Paul, how important do you think it is teaching off that tape when you are laying that new foundation? It is absolutely huge and it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're a starter, In that room, if you're uh, the fourth team guy in that room, it doesn't matter. Every one of you, maybe you're the third team guy out there executing it. Maybe you got the red dot on you. Maybe you don't know if you're going to make the team or not. It doesn't matter because coach is going to coach off what you did. And he's going to teach everyone else what is acceptable and what is not. He's going to use good examples, and he's going to use negative examples as well. But you teach, and you learn big time off that first tape and oh by the way you won the
2: game right I mean yeah y- you did something that I think it just helps the buy-in with a new head coach in a new scheme a new system a new way of going about football you won at home something you haven't done enough of the last couple of years you won at the very end of the game making some smart decisions a clean game-winning drive so, you know, you did it with a balanced offense for the most part. Right. In fact, it was, it was Dennis Gardick who said after the game, you know what, we kept the game plan simple. Okay, we're not even game planning for the opponent. The real objective was to go out there and, quote, establish an identity. And I think the Cardinals did that in a lot of ways, don't you?
0: Yeah, I think they did, Paulie. But, to, you know, you just said something that really caught my attention as well. Think of that last possession. Think of that David Blau at quarterback. Think of that last possession with 90 seconds to go, Polly, a minute 30. And think about being able to teach everybody off that situation right there. How critical was that? You know what? It would not surprise me if Drew Petzing would have had the entire offense sit in one meeting room to watch that 90 seconds right there because of the opportunity of going up-tempo, two-minute, here we go. And the way David Blau and the Cardinals' offense executed that to get down the field and actually score that touchdown, man, I got to tell you, that is a great teaching moment right there, as is the two-point conversion.
2: We saw a couple of undrafted rookie tight ends get involved in the preseason debut, Blake Whitehart, Joel Huntingford, course those guys are fighting to make the team at the top of the depth chart in the tight end room has been former pro bowler Zach Ertz and guess what he was cleared to practice today coming off the pup list after knee surgery and here's starting quarterback Colt McCoy on the return of Zach Ertz
3: it was just great to see him out of practice today right we he got a little bit of uh, routes on air and looks fantastic so um, I think just you know slowly building him up and getting him back Going a little bit is going to be a big boost for all of us, for sure.
2: Now, look, he's not going 11-on-11. He's not expected to go Saturday night. But week one at Washington, Zach Ertz on that field, that's looking more promising by the day.
0: Yeah, you know, if I were Zach Ertz too, man, I'd I'd want to get one rep in in the preseason, Paul. I'd want to get one, maybe maybe two, Paul. Dare I say three? If if I would want to get a couple of reps before the the game actually begins and is real week one, and you know, to me that's just me. But Zach Ertz knows his body a lot better than I do. What I love about this right here, Paulie, is. If, in fact, the Arizona Cardinals are in games, and I think they will be in games, I do, because I think their offensive line is going to be better than most people gives them credit for. And because of that, I think they'll be in games. And I think we're going to see a ton, a ton of 12 personnel. Maybe the majority of the personnel groups will be 12, two tight ends in rundown situation, first and 10, second and one to six because of Zach Ertz because he's going to be the move tight end, in my opinion. Now they're going to mix it up between 11 and 12. There's no doubt about that. But Zach Ertz is going to be out on the field a lot, and especially out of 12 personnel, I like the fact they can still run the ball more effectively than they can out of 11.
2: Philadelphia last year among the league leaders in 12 personnel. Cleveland, Drew Petzing, where he was a year ago, led the NFL in 13 personnel. <laughs> yep. So I agree with you. It's coming. A lot of tight ends. And that tight end room, just like the O-line room, I think is better than many forecast. If Zach Ertz, Trey McBride, Jeff Swaim, and one of the camp surprises, Noah Tongiai, can all stay healthy, that's a pretty decent rotation. And When you factor in play action, how many times do you expect to see play action, maybe the linebackers suck up just enough for an experienced guy like Zach Ertz to find room in that coverage, right, in that scheme? Exactly. I can see Cole McCoy using Zach Ertz as his security blanket and him getting eight to ten targets in a game. Easy. No
0: doubt about it, Paulie. Seriously, I I say amen to that right there. And I'm also really looking forward – to an 11 personnel group because I don't know how much you can lean on Zach Ertz 11 personnel one back one tight end three wide receivers with Jeff Swaim as your tight end that looks an awful lot like how this Cardinal offense did with Max Williams and that's important for balance and rundown
2: Hey, a reminder the day Patch podcast I mean it's up what within the last 24 hours Cardinals defensive coordinator Nick Rowles Just go to wherever you get your podcast, your preferred podcast provider, or via Twitter, at PashPod. And by the way, Nick Rollis' defense is going to get the Kansas City Chiefs number ones for a half. That is according to Andy Reid. That's Patrick Mahomes and company. They're going to go the entire first half on Saturday night before they mix in the twos and threes in the third quarter, according to Andy Reid. Jonathan Ledbetter straight ahead as we continue with the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Four-man rush, here comes a trail, Blitzer Blau on the move to his right. Looking, surveying, throwing, he's got a man, front corner of the end zone, just inside the pylon and it's a Cardinals touchdown. David Blau going to the far side of the end zone on the money to Brian Cobbs. Go for two. Let's do it. Two seconds to go in the game. This is the two-point conversion. Cardinals trail 17-16. Blau inside handoff. Di Mercado trying the right side. Moving the pile and into the end zone. Two-point conversion of Mari Di Mercado. muscles his way across
3: the goal line. He has stopped three yards short and just keeps churning. That is a tempo-setting, tone-setting type of victory that we're witnessing right here and a great, great opportunity for everyone in this organization to learn from.
2: I tell you, as far as preseason games go, Ron Wolfley, no complaints, no complaints in the radio booth. I know you and Dave Pash, went Hollywood. You guys are over in the TV booth going national and NFL Network. But, hey, man, in terms of drama and keeping, you know, Everyone engaged, right, to the final moments of a preseason game. Forget about the sunflower seeds and putting your hat on backwards. I mean, there was a game to go out and be won, and that's what the Cardinals did.
0: Yeah, I love that, Paulie. Once again, the fact they had 90 seconds to go down the field, and that's what David Blau did. He orchestrated an excellent drive down the field. They scored the touchdown. But what I really loved is the fact that Drew Petzing, oh, Drew Petzing, you go 11 personnel, one back, one tight end in three wide receivers on this two-point conversion and then you run the ball right between the tackles there there's something we can read in to the personality of drew petzing right there and i love the fact that he said 11 personnel which typically says at that point here comes a pass here it comes no they ran the ball and they got that thing in with a little help from his friends (laughs) yeah
2: and you know what it makes me
0: wonder well two things
2: number one didn't take long for the cardinals offense to live up to that classic jg quote cram the ball vertical (laughs) because they did it for a game-winning two-point conversion right right? he then used two more words this week that i also wrote down wolf right next to uh cram the ball vertical was the one he used this week create displacement when talking about the O line he he wants to see create displacement i love that one too that's going down on the jg sheet uh, but then in addition to that, it was just it, it was that identity that Gardeck spoke of to go out and, and, and actually come up with a game winner. Uh, I just think it's so important. And then you come out and uh, guess what? You get into a game week and that's what Jonathan Gannon has done with Kansas City on the schedule, taking the Cardinals outside in the heat. I'm here to tell you. It is warm out there. Even a media pencil neck standing on the sideline in the shade. I'm getting dehydrated, much less these players. So Colt McCoy this week was talking about how the new head coach was just shaping this week leading up to Saturday night and the Chiefs.
3: I think what's Coach Gannon has done this week with us is really treat this like a game week, not necessarily from scouting the Chiefs or putting a game plan together for them. But more importantly, what's your process? You know, what days are you watching? What tapes, third downs, red zone? Like, get into your routine and what it's going to be like. Get with your coaches to understand hey, I want to have these looks by this time of day on, you know, on Wednesday or, or whatever.
2: Everything's new. You have new coordinators, you have a new head coach, there's a new way of doing things. So, okay, you try and settle in. And, and you know how it is, Wolf, right? guys are creatures of habit and they want to know what the expectations are come week one going into Washington and so okay you're setting the vibe now because next week you're going to joint practices and the week after that is Labor Day and you're making final roster cuts so this is the week that resembles the regular season
0: yeah there's no doubt about that Paulie. it really is and also remember this too um The fact that they've gone to three preseason games, I think eventually, this is just me, Paul, they're going to two preseason games at some point in time. But the fact that they're at three preseason games right now, um, that really puts a ton of emphasis on the second preseason game. It used to be the third preseason game. Isn't that right, Dennis Green? Everybody knows about the third preseason game. That's when coaches typically would – run their starters out onto the field. And Andy Reid was actually talking about that very thing this week and the fact that he might actually have his Kansas City Chiefs go out and actually play a half. Now, not all of them, of course. Patrick Mahomes, I I would doubt Patrick Mahomes is going to play a half. But the second preseason game is now taking on this new import because you only play three. And it doesn't surprise me that JG is trying to turn this into, okay, this is a little dry run of what our regular season schedule is going to be
2: like. And you're right, Andy Reid did tell the media today that his ones will go for the first half. But as the media also cites in Kansas City, Andy Reid is notorious for overpromising and under-delivering <laughs> in regards to preseason playing time. For example, last week he said the ones will get the entire first quarter and he pulled most of them after the first drive. So, we'll see. Did they score on that
0: first try, Paulie? I don't know. I, I, I can't remember.
2: I but. don't think they did. I think they went the length of the field, and then I'm not sure they got into the end zone. Okay, well, um, it really doesn't you know, matter. He pulled. Yeah, yeah. Derek Carr and the uh, Saints were much more intent on putting on a show in that preseason opener. But, look, um doesn't matter. If you're if you're any number of Cardinals players, you're getting the world champions, and you're going to get them for a half, at least the ones, and they didn't show very well against New Orleans, so you figure they're going to be intent i at least bringing some intensity on Saturday night, which means, okay, the offensive line going against that Kansas City front. And you know what? D.J. Humphreys, we'll see if he goes because I think there was a lot to be noticed by the guys who did not play, right, by design. Whether you're Buda Baker, James Conner, Kaiser White, D.J. Humphreys, these are a few of the made men on this roster that did not go. We'll see if D.J. Humphreys does go on Saturday night. He was talking to the media this week, Wolf, and check this out. He was asked about the toughest, meanest offensive lineman in the group.
4: Don't let the smile fool you, man. It's, it's definitely mean. <laughs> nah, um Will probably, probably Will Will or, or Big Mo, like I said, Parrish definitely has a little little a-hole in him. You know what I mean? He'll take you to the ground and like lay on you a little bit. So that's, I love seeing that from him. And that's his nature, too. It's not like we have to jazz him up to do that. That's, like, who he is. We have to, like – the one one phrase I used to love from B.A. all the time is that we'd rather say woe than sick him. And, like, that's that's Paris and Mo. They're both of those guys are woe are guys.
2: That's one of the best things I heard all week. Now, Will Hernandez, we know he's got a mean streak. Marquise Hayes, the backup guard out of Oklahoma, who was good for starting a fight every other day of training camp <laughs> last year. We know that. In fact, we'll ask Jonathan Ledbetter next about Marquise Hayes. We'll get into that a little bit. But – when when they when you hear DJ say that the number six pick overall, Paris Johnson Jr. has that sort of attitude and willingness to finish a guy off snap after snap. I mean that's got to bode pretty well, right?
0: No, that does, Paulie. There's no doubt about that. But I I just want to quickly I, I have to rank get, I have to give my own rank right here. Okay, Hump is at this point of his career still a dog, full on dog, big time. Um, but he's got so much talent and he can use that talent, right? Um, Will Hernandez, no offense against Will, but he doesn't have the feet that DJ Humphreys has. And because of that, so much of the time, Will's got to get into a fist fight. And he does. <laughs> he does. Remember this, Polly. Will Hernandez fought J.J. Watts <laughs> J. J. Watt last year. In the NFL, never forget that ball. The fact wow. that he actually went to blows with him right there—I I, that's Will Hernandez, and that's who he is. So I agree with Hump in what he said. Hump, of course, a close second. Mo, definitely a guy that will throw it. But Paris Johnson Jr. To hear him, his name actually invoked by D.J. Humphreys, that makes me feel really, really good because I respect D.J. so much.
2: I was saying on our podcast, Cardinals Underground, D.J. Humphreys and Paris Johnson Jr. are very similar in that regard. Very intelligent, very outgoing, gregarious personalities, great smiles, but on game day, totally different dude. Totally different. And that's what Paris Johnson Jr. is known for at Ohio State. In fact, he told us about it on an episode of the Big Red Rage in the offseason that it's about a 24-hour process, a transformation, where he becomes a savage by kickoff. <laughs> and it was, it was really fascinating to hear him go through that, because even his mom cited that on draft night, said he's a gentle giant, until you kick the ball off. <laughs>
0: Paul. I know that. (laughs) I know that kind of transformation, Paul. I do. I'm not trying to say, look at me, but man, I guarantee you for four hours before a game. And it was, it actually started much, much sooner than that. But those last four hours, I was in the locker room, in the locker room, getting ready to ball out. Oh my goodness. I know what that transformation is.
2: So real quick, the one offensive lineman who actually went viral after the first preseason game was Yelda Froholt the starting center yes he body slammed Zach Allen and then got out against a corner and flattened him on a screen uh, what'd you make of the center because obviously that was a big question mark in the offseason
0: yeah I loved his physicality I loved the way he moved as well Paulie didn't you I mean he was moving around right there I was really impressed with that but most importantly, it's the fact he knows this offense so well, and that is going to expedite the process of every other offensive lineman and that offensive line getting better. It's a great point. Only four
2: career starts at center, but he's had a lot of starts at guard, so he knows offensive line play, and he knows the offense, to your point. Yes. And then combined with a 14 years' experience of Colt McCoy, you got to figure they're going to be able to diagnose any front that they're going to throw at the Cardinals offense. Hey, single-game tickets on sale now. Go to azcardinals.com slash buy tickets to secure your seats today. D-Lyman, Jonathan Ledbetter next on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert.
0: Second and seven play action. Rippon steps up, hit, and
3: sacked. It's Ledbetter that gets him at the 30-yard line, a loss of seven. Great leader, great teammate, great locker room guy in the run game. He's an excellent technician, plays really well with his hands. He's strong at the point of attack. If he gets a double team, he can anchor it down. He's not getting moved. If he gets a single block, he can play primary to secondary gap. Um, And and he's pushing the pocket in the pass game.
2: His defensive coordinator, Nick Rowles, with some props and praise for our special guest tonight on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. You heard the highlight there from the game at Denver late last season. Let's see here. Six tackles. Tackle for loss, quarterback hit, first career full sack for Jonathan Ledbetter, who's our guest tonight, and he most definitely just finished a practice.
4: <laughs> yes, sir. It was a hot one. It was a hot
2: one. <laughs> right, let, me, let me give you props and praise because there's a media pencil neck standing, standing in the shade. I could barely take the heat. What's it like practicing out there in the Arizona triple digits?
4: Man, it's definitely, definitely hot out there. Um, we're just getting back in uh, the grind and kind of used to things being in the heat. You know, whole training camp, we were kind of in our stadium and inside in the air conditioning. <laughs> so it definitely feels a little bit different. But um, like I said, you got to go out there. You got to grind. Um, You just got to kind of feel those elements, and it pushes you to be a better player. So you just got to embrace it.
2: Hey, whatever the joint practices at Minnesota throw at you next week. Oh, easy. Right? (laughs) Whatever Washington is all about week one, it's nothing compared to what you guys got this week. Absolutely. I think
4: it was like 110 by like 9 o'clock. So,
2: Are you one of those guys who loses a lot of weight from the beginning to the end of practice? I
4: am. So I've been having to eat, man. We weighed in today, and I actually, man, I I cooked last night. So I was like, I didn't want to eat too late. But I was like, man, I probably lost like six pounds. So... I was underweight, actually, so it was okay. Um, But I lose a bunch of weight just through sweat, just kind of fluctuated. I've always been like that since college.
2: All right, so we're going to save this cooking debate until later, but since you brought it up. (laughs) Your teammate in the D-line room, LJ Collier, uh, took exception with apparently something you told media member Cam Cox, 12 News, about your abilities in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Um, Here's LJ Collier.
4: Jonathan Ledbetter? <laughs> Haven't cooked anything. We go out to eat, if anything. I feel like if anybody's the best cook in the D line room, it's me. I make one hell of a steak. <laughs>
3: Shout out to Traeger, man. <laughs>
2: Okay, so he's flexing his ability to grill a steak. Yeah, the only steak he grilled is still in his freezer. So he he, he told us he, he told us he
4: was going to invite everybody over to come to the pool, and he was like, "I'm buying steaks, I'm I'm buying chicken wings," and and we
2: just didn't make it. So I, I think it's still in his freezer or it's in the trash. Well, that, that's what camp's all about. You got to prove it, right? Exactly. Every day. Yeah. <laughs> What's it been like in that D-line room? Spe- Let me ask you this. How have you guys been treating Dante Stills, the sixth-round rookie? Because some of the stories I'm hearing out of the O-line room, I mean, the demands the you know uh, of Paris Johnson Jr. and John Gaines, guys like Kelvin Beecham making him cut the sandwiches into triangles. <laughs> I mean, it's like unnecessarily harsh. I mean, how man. are you guys treating Dante Stills these days?
4: Man, we got two rooks right now. So we got Dante Stills and Jacob Slade, man. And uh, they've been great, man. They haven't had to do too much uh, – we're kind of a laid back group, you know, I think the oldest guy in the room, I'm, I'm not even the oldest guy, I'm in year five, but um I think the oldest guy is Carlos, Um so, you know, he's only in year six or seven, so, you know, we we, we keep it cool, man, we don't make them do too much. We did a Sprite challenge, Uh like they had to drink a whole Sprite without, like, you know, burping or breathing in, the, in our meeting room, so that was a little joke we did, and then um they just did their little rookie skits, so they went up and sang, and and uh, Dante did pretty good. Jacob tried to sing something from SpongeBob, and everybody was not having it, so he, he got booed pretty quickly.
2: <laughs> did anybody steal the rookie? The rookie talent show? Who who was the best? Dude, I would
4: say um, Dante and uh, John. John was John was really good. He actually was singing his heart out up there, man. Really? He was,
2: yeah, he was singing. He was. He got. He's got a voice. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? It's interesting. DJ Humphreys was asked early in camp about the culture shift that Jonathan Gannon has brought as the head coach and and DJ cut off the interviewer and said you know what it's really been more like a culture shock Shock. yeah how would you describe
4: man um I love him I love I love his energy um just how he approaches practice and approaches situations and just everything in the game like it's clear and concise so you know what you're doing but not only that you know why you're doing it and I think that's the most important thing for you know athletes and football players especially in the professional realm you kind of get a better understanding of the game you know everybody's good everybody's fast everybody's strong but it's that edge that you know mental edge that gives you the you know up one on your opponents and um he emphasizes that as he coaches and as he teaches and and he's literally like one of the guys so like it's so cool you go out there you be like bro like what are you seeing here he's like no bro what are you seeing here and then we talk and you know you just kind of move forward from that and you know not all coaches are like that so it's definitely you know i'm grateful to have him here and i know all the guys are as well and we're excited to get things rolling, man. It's, it's been it's been great.
2: And look, this Cardinals team a year ago led the NFL in pre-snap penalties. Little things are big things oh, in absolutely. a league where more than half the games are decided by a single touchdown or less. So those little things can add up over the course of a game. There's no doubt. Jonathan Ledbetter is our guest, defensive lineman, Arizona Cardinals. Have you been held accountable by JG yet? Seems like everyone has a story where JG called him out and either corrected him or put him on the spot. Oh, absolutely. Um, I
4: think uh, two years ago, I actually had a play in the game. uh, or actually, last year, I had a play in a game where I was aligned off sides. And um, for now, for us, that's a non-negotiable. So, you know, that's literally like, that does not happen. You know, that's a pre-snap thing that you can control. Um, We're always emphasizing control the controllables and, you know, do what you can to prevent, you know, things from happening bad to the team. And like, you can't align offsides. Um, no illegal formations. No illegal shifts. Um, just things like that. You know, um, just to make you better as a player. Just so you're smart. You know, you got to be aware.
2: So the first official depth chart came out last week, and you're running first team.
4: Uh, yes, sir.
2: How yes, big? Sir. How big a deal is that? Uh,
4: man, well, if you, anybody that knows me, you know, I'm a journeyman. And, you know, so I've been up and down in the league. You know, I was undrafted, and um, it's just a blessing. You know, that my hard work is finally, you know being able to give some – being given some credit. And, um, you know, I'm just blessed, and I know i got to go out there every day and continue to earn that starting spot. And, um, you know, I'm grateful for my coaching staff that they believe in me. Um, it just makes me want to go out there and play
2: that much harder for them and the guys. Jonathan Ledbetter, I guess, you were a team captain at Georgia your senior year, right? I mean, yes. you were second team all SEC. We saw the game you put together at Denver. We heard the highlight. We saw the box score. How much upside do you think you still have
4: in this league? Um, I think I'm just getting started. You know, it's, uh, I've been kind of grinding my way to get where I am now, to uh, just get on the field. Um, You know, I got to Arizona, I ended up playing one game um, under Cliff in my first year, and then I was on kind of practice squad the rest of the year, and then last year, I kind of was able to put some stuff on tape and, you know, string some good games together and continue to, you know, do whatever the team needed me to be as a role player, and um, I still believe I am the role player, you know, I'm always going to be that. Whatever the team needs, um, whatever my guys need for me, I'm going to be there and do it for them, you know.
2: Because you know what everyone said about this defensive line room all off season, The narrative was something like this from media pencil necks like me. There were 36 sacks by the Cardinals defense. Exactly half of them walked out the door in J.J. Watt and Zach Allen. Mm-hmm. There's a lot for that D-line room to prove, isn't there? And, and, and what do you do? I mean, as a group, where do you think this, this team is headed on the, along that defensive run? Because we know how demoralizing it is. If he can't get to the quarterback, if he can't stop the run, it's going to be a long night.
4: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, You know, we've been working hard, man. Um, Like I said, everybody in our room has a chip on their shoulder. You know, everyone has a story. Everyone's, you know, had a background. And I think those are the teams that that end up actually surprising people, you know. And and I don't really care what people think. I don't really care about the media. I believe in myself. I believe in my guys. And uh, I believe in this organization. And we work hard every day. Uh, We go out there to push ourselves, you know, and our coach puts us in the best possible position to win. And, you know, at the end of the day, you got to go out there and do just that. You got to win. So um, we're gonna we're gonna do what we need to do as a team and continue to elevate. And um, you know, we did lose Zach. That was my guy. We lost JJ too. And you know, they're two great players. You know, but we got a great room. And um, I, like I said, I believe in every single person in there, and I know that we're gonna get the job done. Sounds like you're
2: close with L.J. Collier.
4: Oh, I'm close with all the guys. So we're all close, man. But yeah, Edzer's my dude. We actually played in the Senior Bowl together when I, we ah, came out. Yeah. I get it. Okay, <laughs> okay. I mean, it sounds like he's got
2: something to prove oh, as a absolutely. former first-round
4: pick. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, man. You know, we're working together so that everybody can prove it, man. Um, everybody can eat. You know, there's enough food at the table for
2: everybody to have, to have their full. What do you think of Nick Rollis so far? W- talking to some of the coaches, they're like, you know what? One word on Nick Rawls, your defensive coordinator, assassin. I'm <laughs> Like, wow. He's aggressive, isn't he? He is. He is, man. I love playing like that, man. It gives you chances. It gives you opportunities.
4: And it's not so much as, a, you know, a defense that's just clear cut. Like, he's like, hey, like, what do you see? What do you feel? Let's do this so you can do this. Let's free you up right here. You know, just just any opportunity to allow you to go play football how you play it, he's trying to give you that. And like I said, the understanding of the game itself is what they teach, not only scheme. So it's just like a breath of fresh air because you're kind of getting in on two ends and you're like, okay, well, I understand this, so now I can go do this within the scheme. And that, that's really cool because, you know, some some places, you know, it's just like, hey, go straight, do this, you know, and that's it, you know, just do your job. But here it's like... We got a really smart room so we're able to put more stuff on our guys, on the D line, on our outside linebackers to, you know, be able to draw things up and dial things up to make it fun and, and be aggressive and,
2: and attack. I mean, Jonathan, that defensive line was disruptive in the preseason opener. You, uh, absolutely. You, you guys were in the backfield quite a bit you guys were hitting harassing Russell Wilson now you get Kansas City Andy Reed says the starters are going to play most of the first half they're known for having one of the better interior lines in the NFL you like that you like that when you get oh, to go absolutely. against the starters absolutely
4: I was actually mad that we didn't get to play um you know I'm always like I said I've been the <laughs> underdog guy so you know preseason for me is like you're playing all preseason so it's just <laughs> different this year you know I only played a couple snaps in the beginning and like once I got started I was like man coach I want some more you know and like all the guys are like that man everybody's hungry like I said it's that chip on their shoulder. So, you know, even this preseason game, I'm treating it like a real game, man. I'm going out there and I'm, I'm putting stuff on tape that I know that I need to work on and to prepare myself to be ready for the season. And everybody on this team and on the squad is doing just that.
2: How close have you been to getting into a fight in camp? Come on now. There's been O-line, D-line. Guys are yeah. uh, hot. They're getting I'm chippy. I'm usually the guy like, Last year like I'm the reason like we had a whole team fight like in
4: Andor, like the O-line D line Like I was probably the reason that erupted this year I've been trying to be a better leader for the guy So I'll say uh, I've been the guy like breaking up the fights trying to go in there and calm everybody down to be the mediator Because um, I know once I go I'm going like somebody's got to get me So I'm just trying to make sure everybody's cool and you know, like, we're all family so even the stuff that happens out there man, we we squash it, we come back, we know football's a chippy game, and we love each other, man. Like, it's just, it's always done and always left on the field before we come back in the locker room.
2: Okay, what can you tell us about last year? What happened? Were you trying, was it by design? Were you trying to make a statement? You're trying to get noticed by the coaches? <laughs> I, or you, we were we,
4: actually doing one on ones, and I think I was going against Mo. And uh, the first rep I won, and you know, like, you just get a little chippy in there, man. and. You know, you trash-talking, talking talking smack, and, you know, he's like, oh, let's run it back. And I'm like, man, you're a rook, man. You don't get to run it back, you know, with an older guy. So, you know, we run it back, and um, he actually had a good rep, man. He actually stopped me kind of like when I was trying to throw my swipe, and the rep was over, and uh, they blew the whistle. But he tried to keep driving and keep going and tried to take me to the ground. And um, I got up, man. I just started swinging because I'm just like, yo, man, like we don't go to the ground. Like whistle's blown, it's over, play's dead. Mm -hmm. And um, as soon as I got up and swung on him, Um, I'm not gonna lie I saw JJ He just came out of nowhere And literally Speared him And then Everything erupted. Oh. <laughs> they cut the clip. They cut everything, and just everything erupted. We canceled. Practice was over. Practice was over. <laughs> oh. You probably got. You probably got thanks
2: in the locker room. Oh, absolutely.
4: That absolutely. And, I, and I got chewed out too. <laughs> it
2: was one or the other. The players. It was great the coaches. Not so much. I'm actually shocked. Marquise Hayes has not started a fight yet in this camp. I'm actually shocked by that because man, he's he's been working on his
4: discipline. Man, he's been working on getting better. I, I love that kid, man. He's 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 big. He's strong and.
2: When he puts everything together, it looks good. Hey, we look forward to it. Preseason game number two. We look forward to the joint practices next week in Minnesota. It'll be nothing like Arizona. I mean, you guys be totally easy. Jonathan, thank you for the time. I appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. There you go. Jonathan Ledbetter on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert, back right after this. Jared Stidham in the gun. To the after a play-action fake on the move, throws, and it's broken up, nearly picked off by Keetrel
3: Clark. And you want to evaluate guys, you want to be able to see what they can do. Can they play zone? Can they play man? Trell Clark is the guy that they are very high on. Keetrel Clark is looking very comfortable out there in this circumstance. I love what I'm seeing from him right now.
4: I really say that it's, a, it's good energy going around the room. Um, at the end of the day, we all know that we are competing um, to play on the field. Um, only two corners can be out there at the same time but um, it's no hate or anything we all want to make each other better
3: Um, and and we're just gonna continue to just strive to be our best selves every day and you know when the game day comes we will know who'll be out there.
2: That is six-round rookie Keetrel Clark, who sounds like anything but a rookie. I mean, you talk about precocious. That was part of the postgame interview with Drew Stan, Yours truly, Ron Wolfley. Here we are on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Special thanks to Jonathan Ledbetter. That was some good stuff. How about the play-by-play of him starting that fight with Marquise Hayes a year ago, right? So he's been Big on time. his P's and Q's this time around. But the fight at cornerback, Wolf, and, and to hear Keetrel Clark... Later in that interview, he took us through a play-by-play of what he saw leading up to the pass breakup, and Drew Stanton looked at me and like raised both eyebrows. He's like, that is next-level analysis for a rookie corner. So if he's thinking the game already at that level, no wonder he's making a run at a starting corner spot, just considering, guess what? Everything is wide open at that position group.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it, Pauly. Um, he, he It's a great position room to actually get the opportunity to go play. That DB room, that cornerback room right there, and he is getting that opportunity. I love what I'm seeing from him. He's got some swag to him, Pauly, which I really like. He's very, very confident, and that's great, but – Can I just say right now, that's where rookie corners are going to be coming into the league because you can't play cornerback and try to play cornerback in the NFL unless you've got an awful lot of confidence. What happens, and this is just me, what happens when suddenly you go out and Pat Mahomes lights you up? (laughs) You know, how do you respond then after that? That really is going to be the key for Keith Trout clark Yeah,
2: we saw Antonio Hamilton come in the second half now, but the ultra veteran and he immediately has a pick, almost had a second. Yes, he uh, ended up with that pass interference penalty call against him, but there was nearly a sack on that play that would have saved him. Then there's Christian Matthew, the second-year seventh-rounder. I mean, his size and his ability to really stay close with the receivers in camp, you saw it again in the game. So Nick Rollis, the defensive coordinator, met the media today, and he was asked about how that cornerback competition is shaping up.
3: Great competition guys that are locked in and improving every day i'm seeing a lot of growth i'm seeing the competition get really tight but also a a room that is together and those guys want to see each other get better and are pushing each other and i'm happy with the progress we got a lot more progress to make but i'm excited over the next however many weeks of camp we have left to see who really steps in and takes certain roles
2: there were two media finds earlier this week. There's the third because that's actually from the Dave Pash podcast right there. Nick Rollis visiting with Dave. Some great stuff. What'd you make of the defense in the debut? And what do you think about some of those position battles and where they stand right now? Wolf, where's your eye going to go on Saturday night against KC?
0: Well, Polly, you know, first of all, I thought once again the defense superseded every expectation I had. I thought they played really, really well, especially the starters, of course, in that first quarter. That really blew my mind. Uh, court, cornerback, the cornerback room is definitely, that's very, very competitive. I like Antonio Hamilton coming out as the starter week one. I like that. He did make some plays as well. We'll see how it goes. I'm not, That's not a slam on anybody else. I think Keetrel Clark is going to be your nickel corner, of course, opposite of Marco. Um, let me just say this. What will I be watching? First of all, Pauly, I'm going to be watching the offense in regard to running the tackle zone, running the stretch play, running the outside play better than what they did, especially the starters, running that play better. That is the integral play to this offense. When you take a quarterback and you stick him under center, especially in a rundown situation, you're saying, we've got five plays, and I'm... I'm simplifying it for effect but we got five plays we're going to run the problem is we could run the ball or we could throw the ball in you on the second level and third level don't know what we're going to do if we execute correctly you're going to have to guess and see that's the problem that's the problem so for me it all starts with being able to run that play execute that play where you can rip that ball for four Five, on a regular basis, running that tackle zone play, that's what I'm looking for, number one. Number two, more play action, Polly. I want to see more play action off of that action, that tackle zone stretch play action, whether it's a boot, a waggle, or a straight seven-step drop in the pocket. I want to see more play action. And then finally, Polly, I want to see some Gap integrity, just like what we saw on the defensive line. You and I have had this conversation many, many times. That is my concern. I think it's your concern as well, being able to actually stop the run. What I saw them do in that first quarter, the starters against the Denver Broncos was very encouraging. I'd love to see them follow it up with the same type of gap integrity, attacking that, that line of scrimmage with their front six or seven. No, that's great
2: stuff. You know what? I'll name some names. Going back to offense where you started, Michael Wilson. He only played a couple of series. Love to see more out of him against that's Kansas good. City. Uh, I'd love to see Trey McBride, who's been back at practice this week. Exactly what do they have in mind for Trey McBride? Because I think he's going to be on the move a lot as an H-back slash tight end. And then when you get over to the defense, I'd love to see my J Sanders and even more B.J. O'Jolari. Oh, I'd lo- we'd love to see those two guys out there because I'm with you. Zavin Collins, Dennis Gardeck, Cam Thomas had a sack. They all exceeded expectations. I thought they all looked regular season ready. Uh, There's no question about that. Uh, So I'd love to see some of those other edge guys. Because we've even seen Jesse Lucchetta and Victor DiMuchegi run with the ones at times. So what are they doing at that outside linebacker spot? It seems much more deep in terms of that depth in that room than we ever envisioned. There's that, and then, of course, uh, okay, what are you going to do with inside linebacker behind Kaiser White? I think that's a
0: hotly contested competition, too. You know, it's so fascinating, Paulie. You play-by-play guys are all about... The players. Yes. <laughs> and here I am as a color analyst, of course, and I, I'm sure maybe Drew would probably agree with me here. You know what? We're all about the play. <laughs> you know, forget about the player. It's the play. It, it, this is a brand new scheme, Polly. This is this is a brand new coaching staff. We're trying to lay this brand new foundation. What are we what are we running here? What kind of personnel groups and what kind of plays are we actually running? The scheme, the scheme, the scheme. I'm fascinated fascinated with it and you play-by-play guys are all the same no
2: you're right I I was like who's on the field for the first play and Drew Stan was like no what is the first play (laughs) but you know the one the one that we agreed on was Clayton Toon who who guess what looked like a rookie early But you know what? So did, oh, I don't know, the number one or number two pick in the draft, right? (laughs) Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud both struggled big time in their preseason debut. So, yes, rookie quarterbacks, they have this initiation period. But what did you see out of Clayton Toon as the game went on, and what more do you want to see out of the rookie quarterback Saturday night?
0: Yeah, I I just want to see a little bit more accuracy. Um, I thought he did an excellent job with his poise. Can I just tell you my general overall feel of Clayton Toonpauly? Yep. This kid's got my attention. He's got my attention. He's got to be more accurate, but there's something there. He's got my attention.
2: So you realize the Kansas City Chiefs wrapped up camp today at Missouri Western State University in St. Joseph, Missouri. Does that sound like one of your old St. Louis Cardinals training camps?
0: You got that right. Certainly Charleston, does. Charleston, Illinois. <laughs>
2: hey, single game tickets on sale now at azcardinals.com slash buy tickets to secure your seats today. Special thanks, as always, Jim Almondro, Cody Fincher, Ali Nerini, Ron Wolfley, and Jonathan Ledbetter. I'm Paul Calvisi. This has been the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert.